Hello and welcome into Off Topic. I'm Andrew Laird. You can find me as Lairdino on SoRare, also known as the head of content at SoRare Data. Today to talk about a whole bunch of things. I was off the last two days, one of which included an office hours stream that is also available on our podcast feed if anybody wants to listen, that I was not on. And I'm here to blast away at it because I thought it was terrible and I just want to apologize to everybody about it. To be honest, it was a really interesting show. I haven't actually listened to the entire thing yet, but I mentioned, and Sean is here already thinking I'm going to disrespect him, which is true, but it's not nearly as bad as everybody thinks it could be because everybody, so anyway, Sean, PSU fans too, was with Maxime yesterday on office hours or Wednesday, Wednesday. They talked about a bunch of things. It was really great. And one of the things I wanted to touch on, I don't want to give it too much away, but I tweeted out that I was going to make fun about fun of Sean about something. And I was really, part of me wanted to ask everyone else what they thought I was going to make fun of him about. And like, I'm not somebody who likes to take shots at people publicly. I do plenty of that privately. But, and this isn't going to be a shot at Sean at all, but it was just one of these things that I was listening to and I was like, oh, I have to call him out on this. And had I been on the show, I would have called him out. And then we would have gone, gotten into this back and forth and we would have both left thinking we won. So first off, thank you to everyone. Looks like Angus was the first one in. Isco is here. Isco said he's here for the possible PSU slander. There is going to be an entire PSU slander section, just, just so we're clear on that. This is not just like a possible, it will happen. Um, Surface, good morning. Thanks for joining. Mike Baston also here. Isco's already saying to make PSU the head of content and sewer data, which like people, you don't really actually want that. Like, trust me, trust me. I will say, I will give Sean credit for one thing before I start. Blue Tomatoes, hello. Thank you for coming. So I posted a picture while I was away and I spent some time away going outside, which is one of like the big differences between Sean and I, which is why I like our content so good, because you don't want just two people that agree on everything. So like, I like to go outside and Sean doesn't. So that's like one of those things that just works out. Scosmo, thank you for coming in. So I posted a picture. Oh, Clemo. Hello. So I posted a picture of me and my son with like a waterfall in the back because we were outside. We were going for a hike. To be honest, I don't go for hikes much ever, but the people I was with wanted to go. It was my, my brother. He and his family wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Chani, hello. So I took a picture and I tweeted it and I said, go outside. And a few people, and I think Sean was one of them, said something about how I was with Larry, who is my son. At least that's who people, that's who Sean calls my son. And Sean had this whole thing where he thought it would be really funny if my son's name was Larry, because Larry Laird sounds really funny. And so last night, hello, David. Hello, Pablo. For those listening, sorry, they're just new comments in the chat. I like to acknowledge everyone who's here. So my wife, who is also on Twitter, uh, sees the picture and she's like, oh, that's like nice picture. Here, I'm trying to pull it up here. For those of you who are listening, um, go watch it. So anyway, there's a picture of us. We were having a good old time. And then uh, Sean wrote Larry's season. And then Poudini, shout out Poudini, says, hi, say hi to Larry. And she looks over at me and she's like, why are people calling, Jack is his name. Why are people calling Jack Larry? And I was like, it's really stupid. And I told her the story. And I would never say this. Like, I'm glad Sean's in chat here and not like talking with me. She thought it was hilarious. And she was like, why would, she was like, why Larry? And I was like, cause Larry Laird. And as soon as that came out, she just started laughing. And then check my notifications after this. Oh boy. So anyway, and then I was like, and he even went as far as saying like, whether to spell it as L-A- I-R-Y, because it's like it, almost exactly like Laird, except it'd be Larry Laird. And um, 
she thought that was hilarious as well. And so, and now I see Sean is like sharing private messages on the internet. Um, so thanks for that, Sean. No, but seriously, I, t I DM'd him last night. I said, my wife just asked me why people are calling our son Larry. And so I'm going to let the, I'm going to let Sean have this one. Like you did it. I'm not going to call him Larry, but if you want to keep calling him Larry, then you just go right ahead because that's what people, that's what people are going to call him. And that's fine. And probably for the better, like I know people probably shouldn't be like naming their kids on the internet, but anyway, so Sean, well done on that one. Um, so this is a good question from uh, Vita here. Does she find a lot of stuff funny or does she just share the same type of humor as Sean? So I would not say she shares the same humor as Sean, but she does find things funny and happen to find that one funny. So I'm going to, I'll put it that way. So uh, I really, Shekel, I really have no idea how to pronounce this. I would say like Shaforkel. Anyway, but more importantly, what does your son call Sean? Oh, that's interesting. I haven't asked him. He doesn't watch our show because we say fuck too much. So anyway, do you guys, should I start just like now? What are we, six minutes, seven minutes in? Should I just start blasting Sean now? I'll do it now. Why not? So Sean had a very successful game week. <laughs> Clement, you can't spell PSU fan without F-U-N. Yeah. Oh, it is Shackle. Shackle? Shackle. Shackle. But Shaforkle, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Blue Tomato says Larino. Larino. This is literally what the show, yeah. Isco, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, thanks. So, anyway. So Sean had a very successful week last week where he won All-Star Unique for the second weekend in a row, which is a fairly tremendous accomplishment. And he, Sean has a history of getting, that's the nicest way I could put this, getting disappointing rewards when he finishes really highly up not to say that he's never not that he's never won like a really good card but there are times where he literally and he, if anybody who asks him he'll he has the list like tattooed on his hand of way times that he's been wronged when winning anything very big so he won blue tomatoes ah the boring sober stuff yeah but we'll get into it don't worry so anyway, he won Carlos Hill super rare last week and in true fashion of somebody who, who literally wins his absolute favorite player, he sold the card. And he'll put a bunch of disclaimers. Oh, he also could have won this, blah, blah, if he had just kept it, but he sold it. Carlos Hill, favorite player ever, wants, to, wants me to try to get us to meet Carlos Hill and yet he wins the name and he wins the card and immediately sells it. Do, it. do with that what you will. He'll say, like, I already had a Carlos Hill super rare, which is true. But it is what it is. So anyway, so this week, he wins a uh, Gavardiol super rare. Which he immediately put on the market because he has one. So this is where I was disappointed that I was not on the show with him. Because I would have, like tried to walk him right into this conversation. But basically, so Sean has a Gavardiol super rare. And when Sean bought this super rare, like I talk to Sean all the time. So like there are very rarely times where like I buy a card or he buys a card and we just like don't know about it at all. So anyway, when he bought this card, he was like, I think Gavardiol could be the best under 23 defender on the platform. And the reason he says that is because like he's already doing really well at a big team and anywhere where he could go, isn't like a death sentence, so rare wise. And that's one of the things that we always talk about with players that, you know, a lot of the challenger players or in America, like if they transfer, it could be like a very good move for them career wise. But from a SO5 perspective, which is really what we all care about, they're not good or they're not as good. And so 
the way that he looked at Gavardiol was there's this, there's this safety in him that anywhere he goes, like he's definitely going to start and he's really, really good. And he's probably only going to go to like a top level team at this point, because like, you don't go from like Leipzig to Celta Vigo, no offense to Celta Vigo. So and blue tomato said, hopefully it doesn't transfer to, um, to Chelsea, which is funny. We'll get, we'll go to that. Surface thinks going to Bayern would be really bad. I'm going to disagree with, with Surface there. Um, and yeah, so Clement brought this up. Who remembers Pepe in the Bundesliga? Tati Castellanos to La Liga. Like those are the, the situations you really want to avoid. And so that's why the, that's why it's like helpful to get under 23 stars who are already on really good teams. Gavardiol is one of them. Florian Verts. Bellingham, Musiala, like guys like that only, only can go up. Vinicius Jr. So Gavardiol is the best under 23 defender on the platform in Sean's view. And he'll probably say like, I said like top three or top five, but Sean will do that. He'll say top five and then he, he'll just ignore the other four. So he thinks Gavardiol, if he's not the best, is one of the best. And for those of you who have not listened or watched Yes, or this week's second office hours, episode seven. I'll explain it a little bit. For those who have, you'll just have to deal with this. But basically, Sean tried to, Sean compared this Gavardial Super Rare to the prizes that were given away one spot behind him in All-Star Unique and first place in All-Star Super Rare. So basically, those should be the three best Super Rares given out in, in any game week. So the top two in All-Star Unique were Tier Zeros and first place in All-Star Super Rare was Tier 1. And one of the kind of rules that SoRare put out after the whole like swaps debacle was that the winner of All-Star Unique, which was Sean, will always get a better reward than the one in All-Star Super Rare, which is understandable and disappointing, probably more understandable. And the, re the only reason why it's disappointing is because it makes everyone start thinking like, well, does that mean that the first place prize in All-Star Rare Pro or, or any Rare Pro should be better than Rare? And we haven't, and the reason that's important is because if that's the case, then you can never win Mbappe in the Rare division because he's the, he will always be the best prize and... If you can only win him in Rare Pro, that changes a lot of things for people who enter Rare. Excuse me. So, Sean wins Gavardiol. Second place was, I believe, Arda Gerler, who is... Uh, oh, why are those all mixed up? Arda Gerler is a... Wonder Kid for, where is he? Fenerbahce? No. Um, is that where he is? Yeah, it is Fenerbahce. So he's 18. He rarely plays. When he does, he smashes, but he's so young that like he just doesn't play that much. But there are huge expectations for this kid, and therefore he his price is up. I would argue that he's priced as if he cannot miss, which everyone here is now like, oh yeah, Arter's top five U20, U20 in the world. And so he was second. And then first place was in all-star super rare was David Hanko. And these are all super rare rewards. So... Basically, what Sean was trying to say is that he got the worst reward of these three, the Gavardiol Super Rare. And he looked at rare prices, and it really came down to more like how was Hanko. I think the bigger issue was that Hanko was a, is a tier one. Like, it, it kind of looks like he should be a star, whereas like Gavardiol and Arda Gurler are star, like star cards. So... I, I like all of these 
comments, like Chani's saying, like, Gurler can move to Ajax and it just like takes time to settle in. Gavardiol moves and he's like, he plays right away. And I, and that's kind of one of the things that we talk about with, with uh, U23 players that sometimes they move and it just takes a little while. I mean, Gurler's literally 18. So like, it would make sense if he transferred and it took him some time. Like it, guys don't just blast away at 18. And it's possible he goes somewhere and sits forever. PSG calls. Hey, do you want to play for us? Sure. And then you don't hear from him again. And like it happens. Or Chelsea or anyone. There are plenty of places. Like the, the list of places where Arter Gurler struggles for years. And I don't mean struggle like from a SO5 view basically. Is long. And it's very short for Gavardio. And Hanko is a 25-year-old center back for, from Feyenoord. Which if you ask somebody else like somebody wasn't who who is really into football, but doesn't play so rare. And you were like, rank these three guys who should be, which of these three guys should be in a star tier? Like nobody names Hanko. Not to say that like Hanko is bad. He's, he obviously is excellent. Like the score chart is absurd. Like he has an L40 of 66 and his lowest score was 32, but like he's been under 50 like four times. So I think the reason, and this is where I would call Sean out, which I'm glad he's here. Had he won Hanko, so he, he ranked them basically, Gurler, Hanko, Gavardiol. And I think that the reason why Gavardiol was so low on his list is because he owns one already. Like he has a Gavardiol super, super rare. And while having two super rares of a guy you really like is great, then, oh, did Sean leave? We're going to get to making fun of me this century. Sean, see, this is the content thing. You have to keep people here. So the, whoops, sorry. So, so I think that Gavardiel takes a hit in Sean's eyes because he already has one, which is funny because it feels like if, so Isco saying if Hanko transferred the Premier League, he'd be like Senesi, which I, I'm not going to disagree with. So, so, but so Sean, Sean is saying, I literally gave him a ranking as if I didn't own him and that I did. So maybe I didn't hear that. But like you, I don't, you never had Govardiol first, whether you owned him or not. And I think because you own him, you're already like biased about the situation. So, Sean, where did you rank Gavardiol if you did not own one? But, but the, the ranking actually is not even the point. Because the point is more that because, because we own certain players, like, we tend not to buy players we don't like. Like, sometimes it happens. Every so often, we end up with, like, Jayasi's artists in our lineup, and we're like, how did this happen? And so, like Sean's here saying in the video, I didn't, I, I told everyone I didn't finish it, but I was asking you, where do you rank? Where would you have ranked Gavardio if you didn't own him? But anyway, so we get this, so we become attached to the guys that we buy because we, we do all the research, we figure out how much we want to pay, and we go through all of these situations because we like this player and then we buy them and then we become overly attached. We think that they're better than they are. And Sean does the opposite when he owns a player, like, or I'm sorry, Sean doesn't do the opposite. What he does right away is, Clement saying, I like how the off topic will be remembered as the start of the YouTube war where Sean and Andrew shoot to each other in different streams. It's a good point. I like that. This is where we're going. We're all too nice to each other. It's time to start start the wars. But anyway, so we Sean got really attached to Gavardio. Like he 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 did all of the research that he does and decided to buy a Gavardio super. And he was like, I think this guy can't miss. And I don't disagree with Sean. Like I think there there's everything to believe that where Gavardio is now and still has like years of U23 eligibility, like until June, 2026, 
So, so he he thinks he's one of the best center back or defender U twenty three defenders in the game, if not the best. And then he, so he has one, plays him, and like he fully believes this. And then he wins another one, or then he wins one. And he's like, yeah, I would have rather the dude from Feyenoord that nobody's ever heard of. I think that would have been a better card. And you could like make the case that it's a better card playing wise. Like he scores better than Gavardiol. But he's also like some random dude from Feyenoord. And you could even make the argument that he's not like, Hanko's not old, but he's not like super, he's not as young as Gavardiol. So like maybe he sticks around. And he continues to score really well for Feyenoord. But if Sean had won Hank, uh, Hanko and someone else behind him won Gavardiol, he would have absolutely lost his shit. And that's what I think was missing from that show. And I think most people would have lost their shit. So I think that Sorer got it right. As much as Sean was like legitimately thinking about a swap, I think if that was his first Gavardiol, he would have been pumped. And, he's, and as expected, he said he wouldn't have. This is a rough show for me, as Sean is saying, despite all of these people here finding out what I'm trying to say. But anyway, that's all I had to say about Sean, to be honest. He thinks he won this one, which is probably for the better. Oh, he would have preferred Gurler. Yeah, I don't... I think... I don't know if we can realistically consider how you would feel since like, I don't think you, I don't think Sean can, can put himself in the position of not having Gavardiol. And so like Arta Gurler is obviously an awesome card, but it's also one that like, at least for Sean is not, he's not playing it right now because you just never know when he's going to start. And so Gavardiol is the, the opposite. You know, he's always going to play and he's the best U23 defender in the game. But it was more about Hanko being first. So, Chani, the answer is no. Sean has never lost an argument. Yep. Yeah, Clement's saying if Gurler plays in Turkey in three years, he's legit one of the best scorers in Sora. Maybe. I think you're giving up a lot, though, if you're waiting for three years. And now Sean is just lying, saying that when he, when he is wrong, he's willing to admit it. Tough scene, Sean. Anyway. Exactly, Sean, I see. Monday should be fun. Or maybe I'll suspend Sean again. Who knows? Yeah, I get that it's we play the long game. I mean, I don't. Shout out Joe Felix, though. And I get it. You, I literally said you were correct the other day. What was I correct about? I don't even remember. I'm right so often that it's just, they're all, they all just kind of come together. Anyway, Sean was saying he tried to swap Gavardiol for Gurler. With Bellamani said no. But Bellama's like Bellama absolutely has the gallery to say no to that easily. So do you, Sean. Anyway. Uh I don't I wouldn't call Sean a moron. I don't call anyone really a moron publicly. I do it plenty behind closed doors, which apparently are open now, thanks to Sean. But anyway. So that was all I had to say about Sean. It was really just a trick to get you guys to come here. And I think it worked. So I was going to complain about my midweek uh, super rare, two, 240 super rare lineup because I finished 0 .2, 0 0.34 away from a reward. And I gave myself the same line that I give everyone else that if you have a DNP, you shouldn't win. Um, so I, I get it. But shout out to Jimmy Maurer for allowing me to win $200 with this lineup. That was fun. Um, Sean's asking 
to talk about the Phantom debacle with his horrendous card. So Phantom is, I don't even remember what he won, but um, it was really, really bad. This is like one of the worst. And and I'm probably, it's not probably fair for me to say this because I don't, I'm not like a total expert, but he won this Cho Gui Sung card for podiuming all-star unique. What is that game week? 361. So again, I'm not an expert when it comes to all of these players, but this one felt pretty bad. I'm sure this will load at some point, but um, yeah, Phantoms, I think actually has the worst luck on the platform when it comes to winning certain cards. So yeah, like guys behind him, like, I don't know. This is, this, that's like, that whole list is really bad, to be honest. Um, yeah, Cecina. Oh, you, you wanted me to look at the tiers, right? Cecina was in a tier lower than Cho Gui Sung, who is some guy who plays football. That's the only way I would describe him. Some guy who plays football. Do I know someone who claims to having luck at rewards though? So I would describe somebody as having rewards luck as like those random times where so rare accidentally gives tier ones to like 34th place instead of first. Uh, those people. Oh, that was Sean. That was Sean. No, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so the whole rewards thing actually made me start thinking of something else because we talk about we talked about rewards on the on office hours, basically just like looking into the number of rewards that are being given away. And Chani's saying, "Oh, Quinny's won." So, yeah, Quinny winning a Kyogo Super Rare. There's a video of it. Is honestly, this is like not hyperbole. I think it's the greatest video in the history of YouTube. Everyone should go over to Quinny 3001. I don't even remember what game week it was, but he opens his reward. And the reason why that, the reason why that video is so great is because Quinny does something that a lot of people, um, that a lot of people don't do. And he enters competitions based on specific players in the player pool. Which, when you when you really think about it, the odd like is absurd. Like the odds of all of the players in the prize pool, and even if you're just looking at the stars or tier ones, and you're like, "Oh, I want that guy," so I'm going to enter. So not only do you have to enter this competition, you have to finish highly enough to win a reward, and then finish in the exact spot that would allow you to get that card, and that's exactly what happened with Quinny with this Kyogo super rare. Like he was building his lineups and said, I'm going to enter. I don't even remember what it was. I'm going to enter challenger Europe super rare so that I can win this Kyogo Furuhashi super rare. And he actually did it. And it was just wild. And it's great. And Charlie, Make, is, is totally right on this. Quinny's positive about almost everything and he's a real credit to the Sora community. Could not agree more. Quinny is fantastic and probably works harder than all of us, to be honest, with the amount of content that he does and how much he helps people. And But he also seems to like go to every Celtic game on Sora, which is a... But he probably deserves it. It's going to say he manifests his rewards, which maybe we should all do that a little bit more. And it's, it's great. It's great. So anyway, so he won it. Uh, where was I even going with that? Oh, rewards. So we were talking about, Maxime and I talked about it, and then he talked about it with Sean this week, that he thinks they're just giving out too many rewards. And one of the topics that, that, we, that they, we were kind of discussing was, or when they were discussing, was every Tuesday and Friday, the secondary market is just flooded with cards 
because people are selling their rewards. And it's not that everyone hates their rewards, but a lot of people do. And the only thing that that does is that it pushes prices down because now people are like, I really want to sell this reward. And then they undercut the market and then someone else won a similar reward where they were already trying to sell and now they undercut and that's how prices fall. And I think one of the big things, so like we're looking at, what is that? 19,000 rewards ish. So one of the things that this was uh, game week 361. So that was last weekend. So one of the things that we kind of ignore in that conversation is that's how the game is populated with cards for the most part. Obviously there are auctions, but there's no way SoRare could get this many cards out into circulation just by auctioning them. And we don't want that anyway. So everyone looks at this as like a big negative. There are too many cards available and therefore prices are going down because nobody wants to, everybody wants to just sell their cards. But in order for people to play the game, and I think that's, if it's not the primary focus of SoRare, it's one of them, you need cards available on the market. So when people want cards, they're, they're available. So if we go out and everybody wants a Grimaldo, like are there enough Grimaldo cards available on the secondary market? Because they're not going to auction enough if a lot of people have them. And obviously like there are, I mean, I'm not even going to count that, but let's call it 30 Grimaldo limiteds on the market. Probably 10 of them are priced appropriately based on last sales. But it feels like the game right now is built to allow people to start today and get the cards they want, at least certainly on the limited level, probably on the rare level. And I don't think many people are starting at the super rare level, but even if they did, I think the, that the, the goal or not the goal, but I think there's a big positive for the whole environment of the game that cards are available to pe for people to buy them. This is why when, when NBA and MLB launched, like initially they like flooded the market with cards and everyone who bought like the one ofs or really it's the people who bought like the two ofs or the eight ofs or the 15 ofs get really pissed when they pump these cards out. Cause they're like, wait, 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 I paid a hundred dollars for my card. Why are the new ones going for eight? And it's like, well, you, you decided to buy an early one. That's, that's why, but we have all these people who want to play this game and the only, we need the cards out there. So at least that's the part for when they launch things, sports, which doesn't happen often. But all, like all we want as existing users is more people to play the game. Because the more people that play the game, then theoretically our card values go up. But they're not going to go up if there are no cards available. Like it, you think that it should, because that means like this, the demand is going to out the demand is going to be bigger than the supply. And it's like, oh, well, then those few cards are going to be really expensive. But then people are like, oh, these cards are too expensive. I'm just, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to join. So you, you need to constantly have, at least with limited, an entry point that is available for people to get in right away. And even for rares, like we all, everyone has different budgets. I'm not saying everybody should start at limiteds. That's actually one thing I've always really had problems with, with like, this is how you start content because everyone's like, yeah, you start with the amateur and then you buy one limited card and you play the semi-pro or that's four, you, that's the you kickoff. And then you play semi-pro and then you play pro and then you can get one limited. And it's like somebody who makes a million dollars a year is not going to do that. So like we, and, and they're not that, like obviously the number of people who make much less than that and can, come in and join a game like this is bigger, but everyone has different budgets. Even people who have, who have the exact same amount of money, some people would rather just spend it on JPEGs as opposed to food it is what it is. But anyway, so I, I do think that like, obviously there are not like, there's never going to be enough users for the, for the existing users to think it's enough. So I think we need to like get to that, like recognize that at some point.
that you always are going to want more users. If they had a million users, you'd be like, that's great, but you should, we should get to 2 million and then 5 million, then 10 million. Not saying we're anywhere close to a million now, but there's, we always want more. And you need to be able to have ways for people to start playing. And if there are three limited cards on the market, nobody can play. Like nobody new can come in and play. And so I like that. That sounds like we're never going to be able to like make profits on our limited cards, which I, which is fine. Not fine, but like it's, it's not as easy as let me just buy any limited card and then I can sell it later for more. Like it just doesn't happen. And so the, the idea that like the rewards are ruining the game makes it like you're, you, you cannot play the game without flooding the market with rewards and allowing people to try to sell those because those are the, those are the tools that allow new people to come into the game and play. And so uh, Maxime, I think mentioned like the idea of not being able to sell your reward like right away because it's true, like on Tuesdays and Fridays, like rewards right now, where they come out in 23 minutes, hopefully, that a ton of people just like flood the market with cards. And if you have some sort of device in the game where it says you can't sell the cards for 48 hours, then at that 48 hour mark, people are just gonna list their cards. Like it's, it doesn't, I don't think that solved the problem, but really what the point was is that they need to make winning a reward more valuable and not in terms of being able to sell the card, but more giving us an opportunity to say, to really think, do I want to give this reward up? And so that's the, that's, I think, really the problem. Phil is saying it's funny to see Grimaldo traded by a manager with ETH only. Sometimes trades show like ETH only. Yeah. So it was a, looks like they bought a nice little bundle. Half ETH bundle for limited cards of Nuno Mendez, um, Kavicha, Bart Verbruggen, Oshiman, Grimaldo, and Mbappe. 0.6 ETH floors right now for 0.5. That seems like a reasonable trade. So let's see. Spreadsheet FIFA says, so we're taking ever decreasing commission from sold rewards that decreases to zero over time. That, that's really interesting. So like 5% commission if you sell the day you get the reward versus 0% if you hold it for a month. Let's say. I like that idea a lot. Surface says, I'm not sure what you're saying is correct. There's definitely a scenario where card availability is very scarce. It's hard to get cards and people can come into the game. We saw that in the first 10 months. Do you mean the first 10 months of so rare? Or I don't think I don't think looking at anything about so rare pre-limited cards matters to be honest. I think the game just completely changed, including the number of users who play the game, obviously, because it's easier to get in. Um, Pablo saying, I only sell my rewards if it does not fit my gallery. That's why I play America, not All-Star. I get that. Yeah, so service saying the first 18 months of so rare. So yeah, like, I don't, I don't think you can compare what happens now to when there were 500 people on the platform with no limited cards available. And no, and like the Jupiler League, he says it's this, it's not the same economics though. Like the, I think it's very different when you have something that's available for five dollars that other people want for five dollars as opposed to no one else for five dollars. If that makes sense, like the numbers being much bigger. It's not like a ratio. It's not the same as like if there are five people looking for 100 cards as opposed to 500 people looking for 100,000 cards. I just don't think it makes sense. 
Gosmo says skew the commission based on XP. Every one twentieth equals five percent discount on the second. Oh, every level is five percent discount on the secondary market feed. Standard fee of five percent becomes two and a half for a level ten card. More incentive to buy boost too. That's genius too. I love that because it gives us a reason to want XP on our cards, which I think that they want to do, but they're not doing a great job making us want them, if that makes sense. Like they, there are more competitions now that like don't include XP and it just seems like XP is a bit of an afterthought or like, oh, just buy your XP. But that's a, that's a very interesting idea, Scosmo. See, I always say Scosmo has some great ideas sometimes. So, yeah. Oh, spreadsheet brought this up as well. Yeah, the the addition of so many leagues and second divisions. Yeah, it's just many, many, many more cards. That so service saying it's true, but essentially what you're saying is there needs to be cheap cards for more users to come. That is false. We had expensive cards and growth was huge. I don't think that. I think that was a one-time event. This really expensive cards with growth that ever like i'm not sure we realistically get see that scenario again of all of these people that were crypto rich and zero percent interest rates and allowing people to like use money free money to buy stuff like i and the growth was huge relative to what it was relative to the number of users which was small so it went from like small to larger and then from going like it's very different going from a thousand users to five thousand, then five thousand to a hundred thousand, and there's no way you can get to a hundred thousand based off of the prices that we saw back in basically spring of 2020, 2021, whenever that Gary V boom was. I always mix those years up, but but sort of the point that I was going through is that like there's no other way to. Like you still need cards in the ecosystem. Whether there are too many is I'm I'm willing to accept that there are probably too many. But you still need a way to get cards in the ecosystem that allow people to buy them to play the game. And it's not even just new users. Like I still buy cards. And so we need more cards out there to allow the market to be to go. And if auctions are the only way that we get cards, we just won't get enough cards out there. Like how do you, or if they do, we're going to have an auction, like an auction every half second. Like, I don't think we want that either. Surfaces, people look at so rare and they think about ROI looking at short-term history. If we had a boom period where card prices 3X, I bet you would not see a massive dip in growth. Yeah, I'll, yeah I, I disagree. But also, like if if so rare card prices are booming three x, then like a ton of other things are booming. There's no reason for so rare to boom that much if like the overall economy is not doing as well. And then you just like so we did see a boom in users and in 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 auctions and secondary value or market value during this boom. But like the biggest complaint that we heard from people from people in SoRare were about how other NFT projects were doing so much better. And it's because people were looking at, hey, I'm going to buy this picture of whatever because I can sell it for 3X tomorrow. And SoRare didn't have that situation really. Like we see this, for those of you listening, I'm on the charts tab on SoRare data, like June or February, 2021 into March, like this huge spike and it came crashing down. That's the secondary market. And then the auctions was the same way and it came back down. And like that, that's not a, like you can't plan for something like that. They didn't know it was coming. And one of the things that we, that I talked about with, was it PAP? No, it was Evaldo on one of our old SoRare Andrews. Anybody who doesn't, I think it was why I left SoRare. That's the name of the show. It's on the Rotowire uh, YouTube channel. But he was basically saying that Sora lost out on millions of dollars by not increasing volume or auction volume during that boom. And you can see like there's a spike on the chart, but it's not nearly big enough, which is why the spike on the secondary market is so high. But 
server saying other NFT projects weren't actually doing better. They just had some inflated prices for NFTs with no utility, but that's better. Inflated, like they, I think people looked at other NFT projects. I mean, like Top Shot, like people went to Top Shot because you could just make so much more money. And then it all came crashing down and like so rare safer. It's like equivalent of a, you know, a money market versus some sort of aggressive hedge fund. It's just, they're different products and different like ways to make a return. But I think that the way that SoRare does it, like a, a humongous part of SoRare and being able to play, or even, even if you wanted to just flip cards, is that there have to be cards available. And you could argue that there are too many rewards, but the rewards are very important, not just for allowing people to sell them so that they can buy something else. Like any card that's sold, that transaction includes a buyer who is like, yes, I will pay that price for that card. And at some point there's always a price and the price is usually below. Like if the price is lower than what we think it should be, then maybe like, then we were wrong. That the, the price that we thought it should be was not the price because nobody was willing to pay it. That's why I always like go nuts when people talk about like floor prices and stuff like the floor price, any card that is per currently posted on the market at the floor price at that time, there is nobody who is willing to pay that price because if they did, then the mark, the card would be off the market. It would be purchased. And so a lot of times we just think that this is what cards are worth. And then all of a sudden someone's like, well, I'll sell mine for cheaper. And everyone's like, oh, you're lowering the floor. And it's like the floor is lowering itself. Nobody is buying the card where you had it. That means it's not worth that. What do you, what's Scosmo here? There's more ETH daily being spent, more sports, and the limited scarcity of taken liquidity, which is stunted growth. 2X being spent now versus 2021 needs to be 5 or 10X with a variety of cards available now. I don't think that the volume now is... Like, I think that it's being... The market now is being set up or is basically encouraging... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stability. Like, wouldn't we just prefer to have like at least somewhat stable prices? And and you you can argue like the prices are not stable; they're just uh, stably going down. But so, service. I'm saying, I think, I think that realistically, there is too much supply right now for the number of users. Yes. But I also think that you can't just blast supply if you have an influx of you. Like when, if they have a huge number of users come in, they're going to increase the auction volume because they want people to play. But you can't, like if you do have a huge rush of users, and I don't know what instance would warrant that. But if you had that, solely relying on SoRare's auctions to get cards on the market doesn't work. Like you need to have people who have cards that they want to sell on the secondary market for that many new users to be able to become active users. Scosmo says, if Sora could go back in time, they would pull the limited scarcity and just put that focus into free-to-play. I believe they would, and we'd have higher prices in rare and higher. I don't th think that's wrong. I think that's, I think the limited scarcity was too early. And I think the limited scarcity came out with the expectation that the huge number of people who started looking at so rare after Gary V would stay or, or it would continue to grow like that. And it, I'll, I'll be honest, it does kind of go counter to what I just said, but I was like, you have to have enough cards on the platform for when people do come. But I think that the expectation that the limiteds would handle that, like, I think it was just too early. And with the way that like the economy was at the time, like hindsight's very easy at this point, but the, like we, we nobody knew that everything was going to just tank. I mean, not just so rare, just like the worldwide economy. So it was at least something that they could 
they, they couldn't foresee, but it did feel like a little aggressive at the time. And yeah, I think they probably could have waited. In fact, yeah, you just see how many people play the free game. And then like, oh, maybe we'll come out with a new scarcity. And then, I mean, the 5,000 scarcity of NBA and MLB is just shocking. I'll never get over that. What's up, Danny Brams? Thanks for coming in. You were the first person to comment after 1.50 p.m. 1.51, excuse me. Noble saying, losing 5% in gallery value every night, when does it end? If you sell all your cards, then it can't go down. You'll have no more cards. Not financial advice. So Blue Tomatoes is saying, without limited, a lot of players couldn't play now. There's so many galleries which aren't worth any, and the free-to-play is awful for new users. So I think they, the, what, what the argument is, is that if the free-to-play game was better, and it was better two years ago, because we're coming this August will be two years with two years limit, three years, two years, two. Then I think that not to say that limited wouldn't exist now. I just think that they started too early. And so, yeah, I think that at some point they were going to have limiteds. It just, I think they, yeah, they did too early, which is not something, again, it's total hindsight. We wouldn't have said, wouldn't have said anything before. Mike Basson saying also in February, 2021, everyone had a lot of time on their hands. Also true. Also true. Chani saying the problem with free to play is that it's not fun, but like there are plenty of free to play games that people do that are fun. Winning commons was a nice thing to look forward to. Yeah. I, I don't know what the solution is for free to play. Thankfully, it's not my job, but I know that I, I put, I mean, I'm using me as a bad example because I've obviously been playing the main game for so long. And I do think, um, Johanneton, did I get that one right? I feel like I got it right this time. It says you can win the so rare coins now, which again, with, I think we're two weeks away now from finding out exactly everything that's going in. I think it helped. That'll help. And so there's that. Jacqueline said the second divisions were also too early or a mistake. I don't think they were a mistake. I do think they were too early. Though. Well, I don't know. I think they're fine. Um, yeah, Metal Gear disagrees that the game is too hard for new users. I don't think it's too hard. I just don't think it's fun enough. But I don't know. I, I haven't spoken to, maybe I'll try to get some more people. Free to play or it's too hard to get a reward. That makes sense. Yeah, the scores you need. But again, it's a free game. So I don't know, like, I think the expectations of what you can win out of a free game were too high. Because people are like, I won Mbappe. And it's like, oh, well, how'd you do that? And you're like, oh, I won. I would like Stish last weekend. Congrats, Stish, by the way. Won cha uh, Champion Europe Rare Pro, won Mbappe Rare. And we all congratulate him on it. And it's all over Twitter. And people are like, wait, I won nothing for scoring 450 in the French League amateur. And it's like, well, this, these are not the same things. And I, I don't think they do a great job of siphoning those off. Like, I I wonder if the, the amateur competition should just have their own lobby and make, it, make that the focus. Because I feel like... I understand why they don't do it. It's so that everybody who plays the free-to-play game can look at all of the other competitions and they're like, oh, okay, I'll, I, uh, that's other things that I could play one day. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. Monthly and seasonal rewards could keep people coming back. Yeah, I feel like they keep talking about doing that. I don't like that kind of game myself, but... I'm already here, so they don't need to convince me to play. I don't know. It's uh, it's a tricky one. I don't know what the solution is. Isco is asking if I'm looking forward to any rewards. Um, no, I all I want, and I'm nervous that Opta is going to screw me 
but um, I'm only winning ETH from this midweek. And did somebody already concede? I've got, I've got two goalies going right now, which is always really scary. Um, did Moose Lara concede? No, he didn't. They're both. All right. All right. So, yeah, I, um, I don't know. You guys got anything else? I, I wasn't even really sure where I was going with that reward thing, other than the fact that, like, I don't know what the solution is to get all of those cards out. And even if it's not all of those cards, enough cards where the market keeps moving. Like, I think it's bad if you need, like, a rare or a limited and there are two available on the market. Like that's not a great, that's not a great scenario or not a great um, experience for a lot of people. Surface says the reason they need to get off card rewards is so they can have much more control over the supply. Like, yes, there needs to be cards injected into the ecosphere, but right now it needs to be less. Yeah, I, I, I just, how do you, how do you get more cards in? Like if you went all ETH rewards, which Surface, I know you're, you would prefer that they did all ETH reward, like no card rewards. Do you think that they should auction cards every five, every half second? Because that's the only way to get them. And they can't not inject 15,000 rewards into the ecosphere every game week. Yeah, again, like, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I know the game gets a lot less fun, though. If all we're doing is playing for ETH. Dennis says they reward you players you already own sometimes so that you're likelier to sell them. I don't think they do it so that you do, so that you sell. Once they do, if we start seeing like more duplicate rewards, meaning like winning cards that you already own, once they do the secondary market fee, then I'll, they'll start, start to believe that conspiracy a little bit. So, yeah, that's all. That's all I had to say on the rewards. But I don't know. The, the expectation that like prices of these things should always go up, I think, is ignoring just how basic economics works. Like nothing just goes up forever. And not to say every card needs to go up, but we're obviously seeing card prices drop tremendously over the last, is it a year-ish? It's probably longer than that. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, I'm pulling up here the Dusan Tadic price chart. Like at one point, a Dusan Tadic rare card sold for 4.2 ETH. And I, I that's that's not a sustainable game. Six grand for a rare card of some guy who plays in the Netherlands. Connor R. Off topic, but any progression on the star rare pursuit you have asked me about? Oh, no, Connor. No progression. But I'll be in touch on that. Trust me. Surface this is the last question I'm going to hit on because it's been about an hour. What do you think about the current price of ETH and its relation to the game product? So I am of the opinion and I believe, and I know that Sean agrees with me on this. So I'll actually end the show on something that Sean and I agree on. The way we play the game is we want to accumulate as much ETH as possible. And when ETH goes up, we can sell our cards, meaning up, meaning in relation to whatever your favorite fiat currency is. Then the value, the ETH value of cards goes down. And that's bad for people who want to accumulate ETH. And basically the way you accumulate ETH is by winning rewards and selling them or buying cards, having them go up and selling them again. But... So I would prefer myself, I would prefer one, 1K ETH than 2K ETH. And I realize that there are people who do who want the opposite, that or they have already accumulated enough ETH that they want to now sell their ETH. And if you can sell your ETH for $2,000 for 
per coin, as Quinny would say, as opposed to a thousand, you would rather the 2000. But I would prefer the opposite, especially because I'm holding a little ETH now. And so like if ETH goes up, it's good for buying cards because like ETH wise, the cards are cheaper. But if you're selling them, then you would want them the other way. So Isco said rewards are out. So I'm going to finish. I'm going to say goodbye so that everybody can go open their rewards. I'm literally just opening ETH. So that's not anything exciting to, to open. But good luck to everyone out there. Um, I think we should have a relatively full server data schedule next week uh, in terms of the YouTube or Twitch content. So check that out. Sean and I will be back on Monday where he will call me a liar or something like that. And, um, you know, we'll argue back and forth for a few minutes and then we'll talk about something real for a little bit. But yeah, and then I think we might be moving office hours to Tuesday. That time uh, earlier this week seemed a lot more preferable to some people. So maybe we'll do that. And then we are going to do an NBA show. The Jokic Unique just sold yesterday, two days ago, whenever it was. I don't know. And Beat is next. And so we're going to, we'll talk about that and why that's really bad. And then, yeah, so we're Andrews, which was off this week. We'll be back. And then I'll be back this time or this day. Uh, next Friday. So thank you to everyone for joining us. If you guys could please like the video, that would be really helpful. And yeah, that's it. So thank you very much and good luck this weekend.